0: is a cause and effect, stick people in the house. They, they we're, we're used to moving around. We're not, as, as, as Americans, we used to going where we want to go. We understand the pandemic, but it's like, wait a minute, now I can't interact with nobody. Mm. Now we can't go to our favorite events. We can't go to the park and talk to people, just distancing. And Americans, I've, I've been in a lot of places. We got a lot of freedom, you know, Black people don't have that much, but we do have some. I can't say we don't have any at all, but we do have. And as a, as a, I call myself a producer DJ, I, I get to move around in, in different parts of the country. That's cool. You know what I'm saying? So I see the difference. I see what's happening. But then when we see things for our own eyes and everybody tells us to look away, we, we as Black people, we've been looking away for the longest. We've been marching and protesting and nobody
1: hears us. Life is gonna give you challenges, struggles. It's gonna force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Class is in session,
0: about to learn a lesson in the game. We
1: embrace the pain, take it and we make some change. Without with scarcity, I don't know where I be. Let's Welcome to the University of Adversity. So one of the number one things I get asked all the time is, Lance, when are you going to launch a podcast course? When can I learn to do what you do? So now the time has finally come and I've partnered up with another fellow podcaster, Julian Guterle from Green Planet, Blue Planet. We have over 400 episodes combined, reached multiple tens of thousands of people and impacted a lot of lives. We decided to come together and create an eight week program. We're gonna do eight 90 minute calls throughout the process. We're gonna break down how it all works from start to finish. Podcasting is an interesting game right now. A lot of people fail because they don't get the right information in the beginning and they either quit because they underestimate the amount of work it takes or they just don't know what they're doing. So we wanna provide you something so that you can learn from the mistakes we made, start it off hitting the ground running and actually have success. So having an eight week program where we're gonna have a small group, 10 to 12 people, we're gonna be able to talk, we're gonna be able to communicate and really figure out what questions you have, what's stopping you, And how to break through any barriers like that. So you're going to be able to launch this thing feeling amazing and confident. And not only that, it's a community feel. So it's always better to have a support group around you when doing something like this. And I believe this will be a life-changing opportunity. So we're looking for 10 to 12 people. If you're interested or you feel called to this, I highly recommend checking it out. You can find on my Instagram, Lance.Esios. It's in the bio, the top one. It says, launch your own podcast course. If you click on there, it'll give you all the information. And then we can hop on a call and answer any questions that you have. So I highly suggest if you're feeling called to start a podcast, but if you don't have the tools, the resources, you don't know how to do it, this is perfect for you. We'll help you the entire way to start and launch your podcast so it can be successful. So if you're feeling called, check it out. Link is in the bio on my Instagram. Or if you feel like you want more information beforehand, send me a DM. Happy to answer any questions or email me anytime. Have a great day, everybody. And we are back. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. This is your first time here. Welcome. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. We have a powerhouse on today. We got a legend, an absolute legend. If you guys hadn't heard his name before, his name is Keith Shockley a.k.a. Wizard KG, he's a famous music producer and DJ. Rolling Stone magazine named Shockley one of the greatest music producers in hip-hop for his albums It Takes, A Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, and A Fear of a Black Planet with Public Enemy. Original member of the Bomb Squad, Keith produced Welcome to the Terror Dome and Fight the Power, which made Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list. Though notorious for his roles in the Bomb Squad, Keith Shockley's music scope is not limited to hip-hop, but encompasses disco music, house music, soul, classic, R&B, and dance music, to name a few. He since produced recording artists that cross many genres, including LL Cool J, Ice Cube, Janet Jackson, Paula Abdul, Sinead O'Connor, amongst others. In April 2013, Keith was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Smithsonian, alongside childhood friends Chuck D and Flavor Flight. The music he has made addressed social injustices and caused controversy, causing Ronald Reagan to call public enemy terrorists, while the fans called them heroes, and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame deemed them as stars. Keith Shockley's music has impacted society and made a significant contribution to the industry, his community, DJ culture as we know it, and the world. Keith remains highly respected in the DJ culture, still booking gigs locally and in international various genres all over the world. So we had an amazing conversation due to the timely events of what's going on with the racism in our world right now. We got into some some stuff and he, he went into his history and he's talking about how he's been dealing with this since the day he was born. And I really wanted to talk to him and really wanted to talk to somebody who has been living this, this life in America Especially him growing up in New York and being in the hip hop scene. You know, he's been dealing with this his entire life. So I think you guys will get a lot of value out of this. I truly respect this man and I could have talked to the guy for hours. And we ended up talking for 90 minutes and he just dropped nothing but absolute fire. And I just feel so blessed to be able to connect with him. So I know you guys will love this. If you get value from this, share this with a friend. If you can, leave us a review on Apple. Let us know what you think, and you guys, keep your heads up, stay positive, everything's going to get better, much love, enjoy the episode. And here we are, Keith, welcome to the show, man, super grateful to have you here, man.
0: Thank you, man, (laughs) thanks thanks for having me here today,
1: thanks for having me. What better time than come and have this conversation, and I know we've been trying to connect for a little while, it's funny how things happen, and I
0: think, yes, yes
1: yeah and i was just saying before we hit record all these like records in the background these- <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. this, this, this is one of my workstations so i do my dj work here but i got another section where i actually do production and all that other stuff in here then i got behind the green curtain not the wizard of oz but nah, that's why i do my live dj sets from there yeah
1: yeah i so, saw you have some awesome stuff there on instagram yeah. i was listening to something yeah music.
0: i got that I, I do i'm on twitch <laughs> and then facebook i on Saturdays, I do all the platforms. So oh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's cool. It's just to give people a relief, you know, yeah. just to do something since we're, you know, we, we got a lot of things happening, but at the same time, you need that break.
1: Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, so we've obviously been in the crazy time in the last few months, and it just got a little bit crazier recently. Yes. Yeah. You know, so where I like to kick it off, man, is just how have you been through all this you know, what's where are you at with everything and, and how has all this let's start with the corona and this quarantine to where mm. we're at now? You know, what how has this all affected you so far?
0: Um, the quarantine and corona affect me in a few different ways. One, I, I'm kind of like I won't say conspiracy theorist, but I kind of watch TV and I see things and I said a lot of the stuff I watch was science fiction and all these things with like germ warfare, if you want to call it. I'm into those kind of stuff. But I kind of always knew that something like this can happen, but I never thought it would happen now. With the coronavirus, I'm really careful because it it attacks people with precondition. So last year I had a heart attack. So all the stents that's in me are new and fresh. And then with the virus, it attacks your, your, um, your respiratory system, your heart, and stuff like that. So I have to be really careful. Because you know my 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 body is still getting used to dealing with stents. You know I'm still I still take Valenta, which is a blood thinner, and then I take aspirins, which to keep it thin. Because you know when when you have foreign objects in your body, your your white blood cells tends to reject it. So that's a that's a real big thing for me. So it's not just like I'm I'm not you know I'm just nervous of like if I get it, how will my heart take it? They say it's good, it's it's okay, but you never know with something like that. And mean, you know, how the pressure might happen. So I'm I'm really careful with with the with the virus that's happening.
1: So and then we kind of led into this other thing, this other Mm -hmm. conversation with what's going on. You know, with the police officer and all of this and the racial stuff going on. Where's Mm -hmm. your perspective on this right now? Because I'm just I'm so interested because you know. It impacts everybody in different ways. Yes, yes.
0: I mean, I have I have a million and one perspective. Yeah. You know, (laughs) being black in America, it's like I I've dealt with this. I grew up in a town like Roosevelt, which was partly, well, when I I'm sorry, when we moved there, I was five months old, so it was mostly white. Then the black migration was coming in, and then it was mixed from like the and from like the middle 60s all the way up until the early 70s. But when the killing of Martin Luther King happened, I was six years old. So at that time, that's when my mom's, we you know it's three of us, me and my sister, and my brother, and then my mom used to take care of her sister's kids, which was my, uh, my two cousins, and, and the third one that was, that was going back and forth to the Vietnam War, because he was an airplane mechanic, he would stay with us too. Mm-hmm. So that, at that time, my cousins was older than us. So we just, as a young guy, six years old, understanding, we knew that at one point there used to be a lot of uh, race riots at the at the high school. And and basically, I you know, having that and understanding that. So what's going on now, I've been dealing with this since I was six years old with riots and stuff like that and, and different things happening. So from that perspective, I kind of you kind of feel like, okay, now, if I've moved to now in the age of technology, my whole perspective is at a whole nother level. You know, I went to private school. So, you know, I've dealt with police officers in the seventh grade because I went to private school and, you know, private school, we get different, you know, Lutheran school, we get different holidays and days off that the public schools is. So, you know, we have cops patrolling our neighborhood And one of the cops thought I was breaking into a friend of mine's house because he didn't understand that or didn't care that I was out of, I I go to private school. We had this day off. And it's like, no, you don't. You trying to rob like, and then, and it wasn't for my friend's sister to come out because she's light, light skinned than me. And she's like, no, we all go to private school. We are off today. So that's a racial profile where these guys was trying to say I was breaking into a house and my friends I thought like, I don't do that. So I've been dealing with that. All the basically we deal with that all our lives. You know, um I deal with that um we see the 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 even in dealing in the music industry, it's rampant. I came up in a world where we kind of pushed the envelope of hip hop. You know what I'm yeah. saying? When hip hop was like, no, that's not gonna no we can't put that on radio. You guys I won't say violent. You guys are rebel rousers, what they call us. My crew, we used to talk about the injustice of living in. So you know, I, I can go for days, Lance. But well, I this. love it, man. Go, I, I, this I, the is injustice of living on Long Island. Yeah, and living on Long Island, like because we're close to the city, Manhattan or the Bronx. You know, and most of my mom grew up in Harlem and all my relatives there. Long Island's a whole different animal as far as race. So racial prejudiceness is way high. So we live there. And like I said, I'm dealing with the cops. So we live in a place. And if you understand how Long Island is divided, and for my people that doesn't understand geographic, Brooklyn and Queens is part of Long Island. Yeah. They don't think they are, but they are. <laughs> so, so what happens is, and it's crazy, the, the 495, the Long Island Expressway, purposely done is through the middle of long island starts from the um the midtown tunnel all the way to montauk so that's my remind you i said that's the middle of the island divisor majority of black people live on the south side because they made sure that this is how they can keep an eye on all of us Mm. and we're living in certain areas so as growing up in the 70s Roosevelt became basically the only, it's only a square mile. So we have, maybe roughly was about 16,000 people living in there. Became the only all-black town on Long Island. Everybody else is kind of mixed. Freeport is mixed. Then there's a town behind us, Merrick, which the Baldwin's grew up at. And Lindsay Lohan and them grew up at. They lived the town next to me. So they was more racial than anybody else and they was right next to us. So we do, I, we, I, me as a person at 58, I've been dealing with this through that, dealt with it in private school. So we understand, I un, I have a different perspective than everybody, like I don't say than everybody, than most people is because going to private school during the day and coming back to your hood, which is all black and hanging out with your friends that want to do, that want to do, we call it fun, but act up. <laughs> I won't call it act up, but then it got serious. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting two worlds. So I go to private school and I see how white kids live and I'm coming home to my hood, how my, some of my other friends that's want to steer into crime de- dealing with. And when we hang out together, that doesn't mean I'm doing stuff with them. So that world I'm balancing, balancing is the seventh and eighth grade. When I got to ninth grade, I stayed in private in public school, got too expensive for my mom to keep me and my sister there. you know, no dad, just my mom's. It's like between me and my brothers and my cousins and my grandmoms, it's like eight of us in the house, you know what I'm saying. So it's like three bedrooms, but we have a basement we did, you know everybody in Roseville was kind of like like there was a lot of uh, fathers around a lot a lot of the fathers kind of became my fathers around the neighborhood. so dealing with that. And I understand both worlds. So I, I take a different perspective of how, what's happening. We understand police brutality. We deal with it constantly. And the part of the other part about it in Long Island is, you know, we're like middle class Americans. We're not sub we're not urban. Mind you, that most of the labels now are dropping the term urban. <laughs> and we used to hate that because we was like, we don't live in the city. We're not urban kids. We're suburban kids. But you term our music or oh, where we from as urban, you get tired of fighting that. And you're just like, ah, whatever. So having that perspective of living on Long Island, then coming up in an uh, era rather, of when hip hop is building and um, where we got, yes, you got the negative rap and then you got the positive rap. At one point, you, if you only had positive rap, that's the only rap that got played on radio. but the, you know, but you know it's, it's still a culture. We got other things happening in that, but that's all they wanted to hear. But then they wanted the nice positive rap. Like it's like that, and that's the way it is. No, that's not the way it is, yeah. that's not, but that's what's for running them. So we come along. We're taking it from a whole nother perspective, from a Long Island perspective. We're taking it from a Long Island perspective of our parents and in the 80's would have, you know, a decent car. Some of us, two family. But the drug trade was crazy. Yeah. Now, we get into drug trade, once, I, once again, I said Long Island consists of Brooklyn and Queens. I don't cross no bridge. The only time I cross a bridge is to get into Manhattan and to go into um, the Bronx. It's the only time we cross a bridge. So We're all in the same zone. So The drug trade is going at an all-time high in the early, mid-80s and late-80s and afterwards.
1: That was a scary so, place to be in the 80s, right? Like
0: it's, It was, and people don't understand how scary it was in the 80s. I'll tell you how scary it was in the 80s in, in, in New York City and just where we live at. We had PSAs, commercials, telling people where not to sit on the trains at night. Now, when you having that as a PSA, that means crime is running the cops. Some of the cops is doing crime. So we always having that. So, and, it's, and and all that came to me later when I started to understand, like, wait a minute. Please sit in the middle of the train next to the conductor because that's the safest place on the train. You got trains out of 10 cars. So you sitting at the back because you you're just getting onto the train then now you got, this is now this is the subway. This is not Long Island, because we don't have subways. We have the Long Island Railroad, which is more expensive. (laughs) That's how we kept the city people out. (laughs) It was more expensive to ride the Long Island Railroad from from the city to come out here, so you couldn't get out here that easy. But that's another story. So with all of that, while I'm giving you these stories, showing you why we're at the place of where we are now. So within that, so that's how wild Long Island, Manhattan and the city was, and it was living in in New York City. So, coming up, going into Long Island where we are, you know, when the drug trade was high, you know, we used to get pulled over by the cops, and they couldn't understand that we had a nice car. That wasn't our car; it was our parents' car. No, it's not. It's like we get those kind of questions. Like, we live in the suburb; we own a home; we're not. St- Do you see the difference? No, but you're, because. All you poor black people live on the South side. We know we y'all at. So this is where, why we had racism. Yes, friends was drug dealers. We did have that, but everybody was assumed that. That's why, um, you know, black people's like, we're not all like that, you know, but when we get treated as all like that, this is when we have a problem. You know, the, the public enemy target, if you see that there's a symbol and it was actually uh, a drawing of Chuck, because Chuck is a graphic artist. He drew, he drew all our graphics. Great. That's what he went. And he went to, he went to a, an engineering school. So we all live in the same town, and we got these places we can go to. We can go to private school, engineering school. So we're dealing with uh, white kids. Like we, we don't really see that, but we know the racial tension because we get treated differently. So when we have cops doing what they're doing to us, because they don't believe that, you know, my, my, you know, our parents can, there's two of them have two cars. And that was the American dream, a yard, a car, and it's not 40 acres and a mule, but it's close enough. You live in that. And then when they come in and because there's a few crime going on, there's a few drug dealers that everybody's that way. Then you, what, what do you tend to think? You know, yes, I have friends that was in, in that world, but that's not all of us. You know, so for the few that are like that, we feel that we get blamed for everything. I got, I got a little quote from, not quote from Tupac. I saw, I was watching the interview that Tupac did and it and it don't, and it, it kind of dawned on me, but it, we always knew, but it's, we know about it so much. It's like when the criminals come out of prison, they send them back to the hood. Now we're just as scared as the cops are, but we got to make friends with them so they don't bother us. And some of them are offense. We're like, yo, you just, like, the this, this cycle of that is crazy. So now when the police are not coming to our area to help us, to help the ones that need it, and then when they do when it, all the stuff that's been happening and we watch it on TV and we see everybody go, you know, I'm like, you, you get free. We're like, well, wait a minute. If that's the case, you, what, what, what are y'all there to protect us for? You know, we have things on film. So it's like, don't believe what you see, believe what I tell you. So what that becomes? <laughs> that becomes dictatorship. <laughs> we, that's how they rule their country. So we're not that, we're a democratic com- country. You know, and then, when, and then what's happening with this, some of us become numb to this because we deal with it all the time. You know, as a black man in America at 30, at fi- I'm 58. So when I get pulled over by a young cop that's like 29, 30, and he's talking to me with his hand on his gun, I'm like, you're pulling me over for a traffic. Like, I get it. But are you that threatened that all, everybody has that? So now you, you be con- you're conditioned to feel like this. Without with women, you're conditioned to feel like this. So, like, now we always on guard. And now we sit back, we have freedom of speech. So I should be able to say or question you, why am I being detained? So you get those situations and and y'all see the escalation. It's like, if you question them or you make a gesture, oh, now you risk resisting arrest. Well, when did you say I was arrested? You know what I'm saying? It's like, you never said that. So those are the things that happens. And then going back to where we at, the quarantine and the pandemic, What's happening is now you have a society. Everybody, there's a lot of people that's not working. Not just blacks, Latinos, whites, Asians. There's a lot of people losing their business. Nobody's working. So now you're focused on the only thing that's running: social media. Yeah, it's the only thing that's running. Basically, you watch regular TV, but social media, you're getting it. You're getting stuff that regular TV don't ha- don't. It's not going. It's not going to show constantly. Because they have their programs that they still trying to make some dollars off. Of. But social media, you're getting your friends posting. You're getting other friends posting. Friends across the world posting. So you see what's happening. And you have, I think, a lot of things are, is a cause and effect. Stick people in the house. They, they, we're, we're used to moving around. We're not, as, as, as Americans, we used to going where we want to go. We understand the pandemic, but it's like, wait a minute, now I can't interact with nobody? Mm. Now we can't go to our favorite events? We can't go to the park and talk to people? Just distancing? And Americans, I've, I've been in a lot of places. We got a lot of freedom. You know, Black people don't have that much, but we do have some. I can't say we don't have any at all, but we do have. And as a as a, I call myself a producer DJ, I, I get to move around in and, and different parts of the, country that's cool you know what i'm saying so i see the difference i see what's happening but then when we see things for our own eyes and everybody tells us to look away we we as black people we've been looking away for the longest we've been marching and protesting and nobody hears us go back to Colin Kaepernick became the most hated man in football because he never said anything about the flag he said the injustice then when he took a knee on the on the advice of a veteran, white said, "Hey, why don't you do this?" Everybody just overlooked that that he was instructed by a white veteran, not a black one, a white veteran to do that. Mm. So back once again, we're listening to you, guys. Hey, okay, we're go- this is what we're gonna do. Then if you say that this is a veteran, and 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 anybody that's not not a veteran, don't don't say shit. But if you're a veteran, I got a lot of friends that are cops and veterans So uh, that served. And I got some newer, younger friends that are serving. So if if you don't understand that where it came from and who told him to do that, and y'all just, I mean, uh, uh, at least the National Football League, just disrespected him. Yeah. Because he pleaded with Kaepernick to do that. So what do you have now? What do you have? you have people look taking and seeing what they want to see so they can feel good about themselves and that's a you know that's a hard you know not a hard thing mm-hmm. most of the time as us black people we get we 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 deal with it we get used to it and then we sometimes when we see enough is enough we explode yeah you know i i man Lance, i could go on like i who's marching now, who's on the front line, why we have such a, a, a unity around the world. Mm. And that's not from old ways of thinking. That's the young generation has been, has been brought up on a different culture. Mm. One is hip hop culture that started in the Bronx, but what hip hop culture did was, why it was so popular around the world, It talked to people that didn't have. So that's why you have, I got my rappers in Korea. I got my rappers in Shanghai. I got my rappers in the Middle East. I got my rappers, I got rappers that are in Russia. They all send me music. So I get music from all these kids, from every nationality, every generation, every young generation, sending their things and positivity. And my London rappers, my French rappers, that was brought because of hip hop. That's the only music that has unified everybody. We have bits and pieces of some black people doing country, some white people doing R&B, some um, white people, some black people doing rock. You know, we have bits and pieces. Hip hop unified everybody. And that's a big part. That's why the young ones are protesting because they don't see, and then a part of it is the emergence of, uh, it's kind of sports oriented, but black athletes that young white kids and what are aspiring to be. When Kobe died, the world stopped mm-hmm. because that sport resonates with everybody, and he was that guy. You know, there's there's so much to this, and here's another thing, and I and as we will get to my views. So I'm about pushing all the old Dude, people I I love kids, this, man. Black, out, out the way. Yeah, the Young kids are very tech savvy and what they've been raised on in America. And you can't deny this. They had a black president for their growing up years. They have a black president. They're in the studios together working. They're recording. They're making pop songs together. They're making rap songs together. They're making hip hop songs together. They even dipping into a little bit of country-western together, but they don't see it the way we see it. Because when I go to a, I'll take a young kid. If you go to a a Travis Scott uh, concert, there are are more white kids there than black. Mm. When we came up, we didn't have that because everybody was afraid. So when we did uh, this a uh, uh, LL Cool J tour, PE tour, or uh, the Fresh Fresh with Def Jam. We doing those tours. Those those concerts in my era was 98% black. The white kids that was there would get a pass, or we vouch for them. So the other miscreant blacks that we know that's in there won't won't fuck with them. You know what I'm saying? They ain't gonna yeah. mess with them. So we like, no, it's my man. He with me, you he good. You know, the emergence of, of 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 like, now some people will disagree with me, some of my black people, but I'm saying what it has done. So mm-hmm. this is from my eyes. So the emergence of white rappers kind of pushing the culture. Yes, I I get it. We We did that. But as hip hop, we fought to be heard in mainstream. Now, when we got to mainstream, our uh, other issue we didn't understand we didn't see was because this was new development. We didn't understand how corporations worked. Mm. <laughs> we didn't understand that. I was like, "Oh, so we're heard, but you own the rights." Ah, uh, yeah. How does that happen? <laughs> like, and and it was things that we had. We was learning on the fly. Um, the the greatest thing, one of the coolest thing about hip hop music back then back then when we was coming up, the reason why they loved it, the, the corporations loved it, and the record labels, it didn't cost that much to make. They'll give us maybe $10,000 to go into a, go into a studio. Mm. Here's 10 grand, go do your rap thing, and blah, 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 all in. They call it an all-in budget. That's 10 grand, engineering, mixing, and you making some money off your pocket. Mm. The profit margin on that was, was seen in the first 10,000 songs. <laughs> so, so if you charge him at the time 1099 for a song, you sold 15,000 records, you done made that money back from on, the, the record label Have made that money back off of that. The 10 grand that they will give you, the $1,200 they will give us in the beginning. Now this is the beginning of it. This is not what kids are getting now because Chuck always broke it down. Here's the creators, there's the game changers, like what we did. The creators of Grandmaster Flash, Cool Hurt, Bamba, um, Bamba, Africa, Bamba, the, you know, um, the Treacherous Three, and all of them, those are the creators. So long from the Long Island kids, where we're coming from, we kind of became, that generation became the game changers. Now you have the players, where you have the Travis Scotts, the, 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 the Migos and all of them, they're playing the game because now they're getting astronomical budgets. And they getting million dollar deals It's like Okay we'll give you a million dollars To do these tours and stuff When did like that, that, we didn't have that
1: When did that start? When did that, that change start? Where it started they, they started to put more money into it Like when was that? Like who was When that? they
0: When they When they knew it was profitable When they knew it cost nothing to make And was profitable Hip hop music makes trillions of dollars a year
1: Yeah
0: Like it's the biggest It's one of the Other than oil Dad, I think If I'm not mistaken Somebody might correct me But it's the top ones is data, oil, and I think the next under that is hip-hop music. Wow. It's it's it generates that much money and it gener and it, and it cultivated a whole new culture um of I think thinking for the younger kids. Because as I see, they're the ones that's on the front lines like, yo, we're not taking this no more. We seen these films and then we 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 have YouTube. And Instagram, so when we see they see something that's not right, you can't go and edit it and chop it up and throw it back out. They're mm-hmm. like, no, this is real time. This is this is Facebook Live, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah. this is what we this is what's happening. So now they see that, so you can't you can't tell them something different. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't tell them, you can't tell them anything different. And like I said, one thing I do know is like when you go to hip-hop shows, even, even us, Wu-Tang, and all that, every, all, even, and the young ones, most of the, most of the audience, a lot of places, most of the audience is are white. And, 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 that's, and that's, that's cool, it's rightfully so. So, but they see that culture. They actually are born into it, as opposed to my generation, we had to convert them into it.
1: Yeah, it's, man, there's so much there. It's, uh... <laughs> so much there, right? Do you see things have gotten worse or the same, or do you see them just because of social media and because of the media? They you know, you they highlight things more. Do you think they were worse back then? Like, where are your perspectives at? Like, the level of you know, discrimination and 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 bad cops and all that? Do you think it's improved, or where, where are you at with all that? No,
0: I, it's, it's always been there. I, I don't, yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it has changed. Because okay. if we were, if we was riding when I was six years old, right, and i'm fifty eight and we're still riding, it's yeah. still the same. Yeah. um the, uh, black people certain black people has made more money than others, but not compared to the white people that made money. I, you know, and I, I know people be killing CNN, but they did a comparison on a white person that that hasn't graduated on their annual salary. As opposed to a black person that has graduated and their annual salary, Mm -hmm. it was like this. There's Mm -hmm. like the the disparity, and we see that. You know, we see that with us. Instead of them calling it rap music, which was when we were doing hip, that's what it was. Because everybody can everybody conflicted that because they wanted to feel comfortable. Rap music, I'm rapping to you, my brother. So it's it it was too black. Mm -hmm. So what they did was, we'll call it. The urban music. Now, what the, what the fuck does that mean? That's like urban. If you, live, that if you lived in an urban area, so that means if a Halsey lives in an urban area where she was living at one point, that means she's an urban artist. But she wouldn't get categorized as an urban artist. She'll be a pop artist because she's white. So those terms, now they realize is like, because us as blacks, we get to the point like, you know what? We just want to do our work and, and whatever y'all feel is cool because if y'all feel comfortable not saying, yo, I got this rap artist or this is rap music, that becomes like, you start thinking like, well, wait a minute, rap is, some of them guys is militant. Some of them guys is hardcore. Some of them guys is like, wait, hey, they want to start trouble. Some of guys stands on stage with plastic Uzis and fatigue talking about, yo, we're going to change America. You, know, you have that. It becomes, we be, that's more radical. urban. Sounds cool. But when you're a suburban person, I'm like, I didn't grow up there. My cousins and them is from there. I got family from the, the urban area, but I didn't grow up there. I don't like you calling urban music. But then we can't stop the terminology because you have that. You have there's there's so much dissension with this. And I, I come from a music I I deal from the music side, but I deal from the human side. When there's white program directors and my man Chuck had kind of went off on Pow, no hot 97 when they throw their jam, they throw their they throw they parties or their concerts, you know, you got a bunch of black artists, you got mags, you got a bunch of black artists playing to mostly all white artists and everybody using the, the N word. So that's a problem. And that's a problem when, you know, you have some of the program directors, all right, you might hang around a lot of black people, you might, know, you, might undis- you might know about their struggle, but you're programming the music to them. So my problem is, where is the conscious music side? Like, that only slips through with like a Kendrick Lamar on major radio. And that's yeah. what I'm talking about, what's programmed? A Kendrick Lamar, um, a Chance the Rapper, uh, it's very few. But there's a ton of them out there. And there's some of them are really good. J. Cole got a lot of artists that you have to be following really deeply J. Cole to hear it. So if, a, if I'm a person that don't follow J. Cole that well, and I want to hear some of his conscious music, and if nobody has exposed it to me, I don't know it exists. So that's the this disparity. And that ain't just the radio station. That's the digital platforms, the iTunes. And, you know, you got to search this and this, Spotify's and, and everybody else that do stuff like that. So did, you have to search these
1: things. How did you feel when the shift happened from, you know, like the classic records and CDs to all of a sudden everything was online, like, you know, the Napster days and and then everybody can get all this music and like. How did you feel at first about that? Because that was such a crazy shift.
0: That that was a crazy shift, but I fight with myself. Yeah, <laughs> I love, I got two sides. I got two sides. Yeah, head. yeah. I fight with myself based upon I'm a, I'm a producer and I and I live, live royalties and stuff like that. I understand what that what those are like. Then mm-hmm. <laughs> again. I'm the I'm a progressive person too. Like, man, fuck that! Like, that <laughs> mean, we want I want to play. Like, and when you talk about the shift right now, I'm screaming at the record labels and kind of like screaming at myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're shutting me down for playing my own records because those record deals that we did back then was slave trade and Prince know Prince know about and a lot of and a lot of people that do know but what about the people that don't have the money to buy back their stuff like LL bought back all this stuff what if you accrue that you can't you don't have the, the the situation to buy back all your stuff
1: See, yeah, how does that work how does that work walk us through that because I don't think a lot of people realize that man I don't even
0: know how it works
1: <laughs> I don't know and craziness
0: I think, I think a lot of it is it works easier for solo artists because it's just them Yeah. Because they own the vocal rights because it's just them. Right. Like, and and if they, and if they wrote it, that's another thing. So if you Mm -hmm. take a Taylor Swift, she'll probably do a different kind of contract where, where how Michael used to do Michael, they like, no, I'll pay you straight up and I'll give you all the money that you need. But I own the song. There are some people could do that. Right. You take us. It's like six of us writing a song. <laughs> and everybody's putting in their input. So we had to do, we had to, the bomb squad is the four of us, then the writers, Chuck. Well, Chuck was part of the bomb squad. So this in actuality, the hardcore part of us was five of us. So we all just say like, okay, we'll just split it even, a third, a third, a third. So that's the easy, not like, well, I wrote the hook. That consists of, if your hook is if most of the song, you know, you could take most of the profits of You could take 50%. Well, my song—the hook is most of the song. So we, you know, we was we was that. But then all of a sudden, we still have the mechanical rights that has that deals with with Universal, and they'll say, "Well, we spent this amount of money on you. You haven't paid that back, so we own this part of the song." And 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 truthfully, after a minute for me, it becomes bananas. Now in the digital world those numbers that they're bringing down is even worse. (laughs) It's like, because you're not buying a physical piece. We're streaming. So when NAFTA come in like, yes, I'm a DJ. Now we're moving into the digital DJ world. Oh shit. I'm getting all these music that I didn't have that is being downloaded Mm -hmm. as opposed to going, getting the record and digitizing them. That's a man. That's like waiting for your oil change. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you you got to get new road, new struts on your car. You sitting in a waiting room like this, like wow. But the digital world is just a couple of seconds. You know, as you know, yeah, it disrupted the world in music. But once again, as a, I'll, I'll use the term artist as an artist side. For me, yeah. But, as a progressive side, that I'm into that, like, yo, it's free, give it to me so it it becomes that thing of, oh, I don't have to sit around and buy an album to get one song, yeah, and then and then, and because you know you're not gonna get what you want, and then the other part, I think you know would really mess it up between Napster. And when Steve Jobs came to them and wanted to cut a nice deal with them, I have a deal. We want to do this digital platform. This is the new future. Well, you get, it's almost like the way we're in, while we're in the state that we are now. You have old people liking the old ways and not seeing the future. Mm-hmm. So when we used to carry around CDs and cassettes, because either you made your own cassette where you had to, once again, Sit down and record a song on on an Apex uh, Apex tape. uh, And then you had to, you got 30 minutes on one side, 60 minutes on the other side. So you had to actually spend the hour to make a, no, more than an hour, maybe two hours to make a 60 minute tape because you had to record it, stop it, start the next one, record it, stop it. And you had to play it all the way out to the end. So you had to listen to the last hi hat. (laughs) So you, you, those are the things that, you know, that, that we're dealing. With. So now you're in the digital world. It's like, oh, so and so made an album. I only like two songs on it. I want to buy his whole album. But yeah. when I was talking about how the the old people wanted the old way, when Steve Jobs came into it, the other side for us as artists, when new medium comes out, they have to change the laws and the rights and the contracts. Mm-hmm. So when we got signed, the only available things was they still had 8-tracks tapes, which was kind of becoming non-existent. was almost non-existent, but depend upon where you live at. So if you're in the 80s and you live in the Midwest, some people might have 8-tracks. So everything's based upon where we live at. If you live in a progressive area, the fuck is an 8-track? So you're moving. <laughs> you're moving <laughs> so it's, it was 8-tracks, cassettes was the newest medium, and an album, Wax. So you get paid off of that. And the basic contract was like albums are sold for ten ninety nine song. if if, if it's um, albums are sold for ten ninety nine um eleven dollars so how they broke it up was an album it consists of seven songs or more uh and your and your should be limit is ten so it's like if you do ten songs at ten ninety nine basically it comes out to like a little over a dollar a dollar and a dollar penny a dollar one per song but you're doing. 10 songs so each song was broken out
1: mm-hmm.
0: so when the cd came in this is when the robbery came in cd came in in the in in the in the after our contract was already signed and everybody in the industry contracts were signed they're not adding in cds so they even bringing in new artists when cds becoming popular because remember at one point the labels never thought that people would convert from albums to cds well, you mean I can walk around with a portable CD? I mean, it, these are the, yeah. these, this is why the country is where it is. <laughs> yeah. So they don't want it, They didn't really want to convert to CDs. I know because I was in the middle of it. Came in on the album, CDs became popular. Was still making records there. And then now, new so what happened though, during the CD era, they decided we don't have to charge them. Or we don't have to pay them. We're still paying the artists ten ninety nine on their product, on their album. CDs come in now they don't, they looking at it like oh wait a minute, this is a new medium. you don't have to flip it over so you can walk around with it so we can this boost up the price here's what it got crazy mm-hmm. for like, even me, I stopped <laughs> trying to do the math we started doing records when we, when we came out, we started making records like we, we wanted to give people a little more music than they was getting for their 1099. For they they go up the dollars they buy in the store. Because what happens is we understand you give them more, they'll keep coming back. They were like, shit, I got instead of instead of 10 records, I got like 13 records for, for this $10. Problem was with that, is they're only paying us for 10. <laughs> they're not paying us for the other three. But what it does is get people to buy more. So when CDs come out, we can put more. We can put more songs on it. On one, it's one side. No flipping over. It's one side. So now they boost up the price an extra five dollars. So when you're getting CDs, and we're putting on fifteen songs, sixteen songs, but we're only getting paid for ten songs. So that means you're cutting into the other songs. This is and all I'm saying is where we at in music. This is part of. This is part of the problem. And, and it's so global, and it's not about Black Lives Matter. This is about how corporations keep situations in where they are. So from that, they're making a five free dollars that they don't have to pay the artists. You ain't got to pay the artists because it's not in your contract. Wow. Not in your contract. And here's what, here's what they let you do now. You can do all your tours and your merchandise. That's all you we're making a killing on selling CDs for of everybody because, and they didn't change the contracts. You know, when they changed the CD contract, when downloads became popular, mm-hmm. we're not using CDs anymore. Nobody's using CDs. So in the, in the, in the, going into the height of downloads, now they want to give you CD rights. i <laughs> like, of course. what are you talking about? So when you're dealing with that, once again, and, in your, and if you're a black artist, we're all getting crazy. Because it's like, we're not getting the same, some of the, some people are not getting even the same rates as white artists. And, you know, we can we can go into numbers with that, but I don't want to even get into the numbers. So when I look at that from an artist perspective and music perspective, this is what they do. They systematically keep you in a box. So now we're dealing with, um, situations that the public, uh, the artist, is trying to fight for. So we got to go and lobby for this stuff in Congress because just like they're lobbying in Congress, just like private prisons are lobbying Congress to make laws of people sleeping on park benches, so you can arrest them to keep their prison beds filled because the government is paying them money to keep people in them beds. Them prison beds. That's
1: disgusting.
0: So that's where we're at with this. So, um, and, 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 and I connected that kind of in a way, but they do that with artists. Mm. So now we're in this, we're, we're the, 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 the record labels didn't want to do a deal with Steve Jobs because he was like, it was like, we ain't, we ain't dealing with that, we're, we're making money. But he's like, well, wait a minute. Somebody can walk around with a thousand songs in their pocket. Yeah. You know what? You you know you only gonna get fifteen songs on the CD. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: now
0: I got a thousand in my pocket. You know what that's like? It's crazy. Nah. <laughs> the songs that I like, yeah, not the not like if I had to buy a, 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 a David Bowie record, I had to buy his whole record. Well, I might not like totally. seven songs on his on his album. Not to say He wasn't bad. I just didn't like them. I didn't want to spend money for that. Yeah, forced I, to take those
1: records. It forced them to make a better, a full CD after that. Like you had to. Well, be- it
0: forced them to do that. Yeah. Steve Jobs came around and said, You ain't even got to do that. Yeah. You just take one song, <laughs> yeah. take your favorite song and stack it together, almost like recording on cassette tape. Because mm. when you make cassette tapes back then, we stack our favorite songs. So we have that. So just to show you how. It does those things, and then when you're black, you're looking at that, and then you're like, "Wow, you know, we're you know, we don't probably get the same rate as the way uh, Mick Jagger would get rates on his records, unless you're a superstar, you know." Um, but that's the that's the music industry. They they just treat people. They just thought everybody in the music industry was just, eh, it's your art. Eh, who cares? And, and so what?" We're going to own all your rights because we got rights to your song being played in parts of the world that you never heard of. And you're we like, "But well, what is that? <laughs> it's like,
1: yeah. Like what? how many, how many bands got, or sorry, like groups or whatever got, got fucked over by people taking advantage of not knowing the rules. That must've happened a lot. I mean. That happens. That happens today. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it, happens,
0: it happens so much because, Unless you know you really have to sit down and pay attention to everything, like everything, and, and it is, but if you have nobody teaching you when we came up, yeah. we had to learn our own now this now we got YouTube, you just go on YouTube and figure out it like mm. somebody got it somebody and they got it broken down on YouTube and what your rights are what your intellectual properties means, what all that means. so we have that the problem is is' who has the platform to get it out mm. That's the, that's the huge things. So we're, while we're in this quarantine and everybody's rioting, and black people are at a point was like, yo man, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You promised us a 40 acres and a mule, and that didn't happen. When we did have our own, you burnt it down and you murdered everybody, which like Rosewood and um, Black Wall Street and all that. So where do we go? And then we just seen. And I, you know, everybody's seen it. You seen a, you seen a cop, and there's the crazy part about this: you seen a cop murder a guy, but his crew made sure nobody interrupted it, yeah. and it wasn't all white—the mm-hmm. Asian guy and a black guy. That's a cop code. Now everybody's uproar. So it's like, this is your institution. This is what you're, This is where you're at. Now you see them. Now, when when everybody's on the front line because everybody's had enough, you see them roughing up everybody and anybody. So it's like they don't care how old you are, whether you're a woman, you're a kid, young kid. If you if your young four year old is caught in the middle, they might get roughed up. Yeah, you know you're 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 asking for law and order, and I can touch on looting at the same time because here's a problem with looting. I have mixed emotions about looting, I, it's wrong. But when you promote high-end jewelry of fashion or cars to people that don't have and know that they will never get it, you have this, this is what they're gonna think, well, it's my opportunity to get that Rolex that they've been advertising every second on, on Netflix. In, uh, on the Netflix, on the Netflix commercial version, or you're on TV, or you're watching sports. Hey, when when Christmas come around, you can get a you can get uh, Mercedes, and they got the Santa driving the Mercedes like it's a reindeer, and he got like, we know how much that costs, but do anybody want a Prius? No, it's not cool. It's not promoted as cool. It's an efficient car. <laughs> but it's not cool. Mm. You know, so when 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 the high end when the high-end fashion designers is promoting their product, you're like, oh I get that. But you won't see when you go to, I don't know, I'll take a little small place like Target, the no-name products being promoted in there. But you go in there and Target, you see the stuff that you can't afford. But you're promoting something to people constantly. In a world where vision means a lot. It means a lot. So you're gonna, you, you, you see something, you're gonna loot. You're gonna take a flat screen TV that you could never have. And you see opportunity, because while they while they're protesting over there, we're gonna loot over here. I've been through looting, like, oh, it ain't about that. You had to be in New York during the blackouts. (laughs) 77 blackout. Everybody got free stuff because there's no there's a blackout no electricity on no like no alarms you can't talk to nobody there's nothing it's it's
1: nuts man
0: yeah it's nuts so we've been through all of that so and and america is about having and yes you're not supposed to take other people's property but then the other side of america does that you promote things that people will never some people will never get but you promote it like you can get it Mm. that's that's insane to me. You know? If, if people that... For people that don't have... Or that just have the fuck it out of I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I'm going to... This is my shot. To get that one thing. I'm going to take it. So it's... Yeah, you, you, you can't... You, that means you have to have change. Yeah. So if you don't want to... Properties vandalized or broken during a protest of what? So let's look at the the basis of why we all are here right now at this point. Yeah. You had a police. You had a you had a, a Minneapolis. Instead of doing the right thing, they chose to let the country burn. Now you you did it anyway. You arrested them anyway, but you could have did that the minute you saw the tape yeah. or the the video. It was that easy. We all saw it. There was nothing edited about that. There was no propaganda. We watched it and we heard him screaming. and you, st- and the and, uh, other cops stood around and made sure nobody interrupted it. And then now you, you now you still don't want to arrest them. So, that's what you got to do. This ca- I call this war. This casualties of war. You know, the, the, uh, I had a friend that has a DJ store that got broken into. And all of the DJs, basically, if you come to New York, you go to her store, you deal with her, all DJs, all DJs. So, rock, you know, I'll give it to rock and soul. She became a casualty because somebody didn't want to do the right thing in Minneapolis. Mm. You know, that's, that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And you want to and you want to arrest them a week later, and you got them, black, you you have them in that you have them in less than less than a half hour, but that was a police thing right there.
1: How do we fix the police system? You know, like what do you think is this? Like, how do we move forward with this? Like, what would you? Because it's man, it's it's brutal, man. It, man. It's brutal, and it, it is so brutal. I
0: I came up with with, with my own Keith Shockley theory yeah Yeah, because i'm i'm i got my own theory yeah i look at it from a point of my generation fucked up the world what i mean by that is not as black people or black lives matter just the people that knew that don't do shit Mm -hmm. the difference with the younger ones that's on the front line and they say this is the last generation y'all fuck with Because of the technology that they can spot a lie with in 30 seconds, less than 30 seconds. Let me just say less than five seconds because their communication is huge. It's huge. Yes, they don't know, but there are things that they do know. You got young kids that three years old working iPads better than somebody at 45 knowing how to get around and do things their mindsets are different than we are. So I, I'm, i I talked to the, we, we want to call them the alpha generation or generation X. They seen all the protesting. They've been brought up in a different ways that I think they've been brought up on a culture that allowed everybody to be as one. They've been brought up on a situation where white America would never have a black president. And I'm saying, whether he's good or not, or he's bad or not. They saw that they saw They saw, even some of the millennials, saw a black golfer, Asian black golfer, I'm going to be proper with him, (laughs) dominate an old white man's game. No, dominate and raise the other kids that white kids and black kids to be like, I want to be like him. I want to be like Tiger Woods. That's the difference. Where the old guys like, no, he's black, so let me just stop him from breaking the the the, the almighty Jack Nicholas record. Like was, he would have broke that with all that stuff didn't happen. He was on the way to destroying every person in 100%. golf. 100%. We saw two girls from Compton just manhandle a a, a. a A sport that was invented by white people that destroyed—that I mean, I mean, destroyed it. People in a good way, Mm -hmm. not the bad way. Become people's heroes. Whether you white, black, Asian, whatever the case may be. Serena and Venus became those girls that everybody was aspiring to be like. So why I say I have to move out the old people? They ain't changing. And then you got some of the young kids that are smart enough that understand what global warming is going to do to them and their kids. We can talk about all of this. We're we doing that. We still can't forget we're in a pandemic. We're so if, if, the, if, if the pandemic is real, we know it's going to happen in the next couple of weeks because they said it takes time to incubate. If it's real, then our hospitals are run, overrun with, with people again. So the young kids are like, man, this is crazy. Because they don't, I think, to me personally, I, they don't see the way the world we saw it as separation. They don't see it that way. And I'm gonna have some of my rap people and my hip-hop people and my older ones come at me like, what do you mean, Keith? Well, this is mine, this is what I, what I see, and what I think. You know, it's not about just, you know, part of it is not, it's not a, if we want to change legislation on cops, they can change it overnight. But if, they, if some people, if some states don't want to change that, they can be like, "Well, we'll change it when we get ready." But the young kids know, so they're gonna vote their people in that their friends that know that's gonna work with them. That's what I see, and that's what I hope for. So I decided to like dedicate my teaching of getting them to understand. Listen, you see who we vote in. We still voting in shitty ass Congress people because they promise us one thing and not do another. I'm talking about black, white, all, like all of them. You know, if 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 they was for the people, this is what I mean by the people. We have black people. We have our huge issues. But I bring music in. Why is it that in order for an artist to make the amount of money that a kid working for Spotify makes, you have to have 285,000 streams. We know who gets those, the super superstars. But if you're just a mid-level artist or you, you, you got a conscious artist, are you, are you gonna get those streams? And that's making what a kid working at Spotify were. I mean, not, that's not even the big dudes. That's just a regular kid or regular person. That's mad injustice. Like, you know, those things, and I look at music because there are music rights, and there are black rights, and there are human rights. And as black, li- black rights, you know, we say black lives matter. We, now, we really, all we ask is, like, that it matter. I and mean, that's for nothing else. Nothing else, just that it matters. You know, we there's corporations that are running and it's like there's not one black person. And let me tell you, and I told black people, like, I'm not into just putting a black person in a place because you need to fill the quota that's just as worse than what you're doing now. I think that's even worse because now you put more dissension in black person where my man who got who, who graduated fifth from MIT. He should be in that position, but you didn't hire him because you said he's overqualified. That's a huge problem. You know, I you know, I'm not having talks with, you know, with Google. You know, they, they, I'm later I talked with them.
1: And none.
0: Like how do you how do you not have that? But you want us want us to subscribe to your YouTube channel. To subscribe to your your shows, whatever but you're not even putting none of us in there. Like, and yeah. the ones that are qualified, I'm fighting for the ones that are qualified. And If you're not qualified, learn, you know, people, black people learn to be qualified, work, learn, get a trade, something. I always want my black people like, there's a crazy thing that, you know, it's a lot of money that black people like, everybody wants to be superstars. You know, there's a lot of money in fixing air conditioning. It's tons of money. They don't have too many people doing that because that's a peon job. Like, blah. but the amount of money that you can make. This is what we don't have in the black communities that white communities have. Local people that can do local things and do local things well. I'm like, I need people to do it well because I, I don't, it, it, doing it in halfway and all like, why are you doing it? Just do it well. But you know I man, I can going forever. <laughs> I go, well, I got stories, I got all kinds of stuff, um you know, but that's I think where we're at is is you know this is one of the things that that we're at as people now, now that we're home, we're quarantined, now everybody sees what we've been fighting for, marching for, dying for for the longest, and all we just ask to be heard. Somebody said, like, we just asked for reparations. We're not asking for revenge (laughs) because that's another game. And we don't want to bring that world into the game.
1: What are some action steps that, the you know, people who are uneducated, who are maybe a bit ignorant or, you know, have their head in the clouds about all this stuff, like, or just to make change, you know, what are some things for, you know, white people or anybody that doesn't really know you know, the depth that this goes, like what can they do to start making change in their own lives and the people around them? Well,
0: some processes are fast. Some processes are slow. If people, I think people want to make change, right? We want to make change. We have an injustice in the court system. That's the, that's one of the biggest, because what happens when they arrest everybody, especially if you're black and, and, and protesting, we probably stay in jail longer than whites. So that's a, that's one of the huge steps Mm. like there, you know, listen, man, shoot, almost 26 years ago, I had my drug problem and I've been clean since then I got busted with crack. And then let me, I gonna tell you the injustice in that. So as a user, it was $30. Well, you know, when you get busted with crack at that, at that time. And I think it still holds the term of that is, Three to seven, no matter how much you have of it. So your minimum is three years. So I'm looking at this like, so it's $30 for every $10 I had to do it. I was going to do a year. My maximum was seven. So if you get in, there's this a thing of good behavior. So you get in, you do your time like, oh, we see you had a couple of scuffles. Not a couple, you know, because you're fighting for your life while you're in there so they might add more time onto you. So the, the injustice in that is crazy because crack is a predominantly drug that's sold in the Black neighborhoods by Black drug dealers. Move it to now. 70s, a lot of heroin addicts, Black mainly. Now, we call it opiate, opiate addiction. That's where heroin's from. So, I was like, when I first heard the term, there's an opioid problem. I'm like, what the, what are they talking about this opioid problem? I'm lost. Being a drug, being a drug user, I'm trying to figure out what are you talking about an opioid problem? And i was like, wait a minute, that's heroin. Also there's a heroin problem, but done in a different form. Now what happens is there are reform centers for that because most of white America is on opiates not black, white American. When I heard the Surgeon General pull out, there is, uh, what we call that? Um, an OD kit. When you OD, pull out the red bag, administer um, morphine, so the person will OD. Wow. When we OD, we, we still go to, we was going to prison. We was going to prison ODing. So those things, but like when I get into that world, I'm like, man, the, the laws are so changed. So now, The drug dealer is not the black crack dealer. The drug dealer is a pharmaceutical, because if it's illegal to get that, why are you still selling that? If there's a problem with it, why why can you still get it? So, those are stuff that 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 a lot of that stuff bothers me. On top of the cop killing, it's like this: we got other things. So, if we don't change legislations like those and make it make legislation happen now. But the problem with it happening now, is like, we, <laughs> we protested, we in quarantine, we got, a, we got a president that don't see half the things that we see, um, we, we damn near got an administration that don't see none of the things that we see, so else as people. So what's, what's gonna overturn that? Moving him out? I always throw stuff like, if you can bring up a law from 1817, to use today. <laughs> I'm like, so if he feels that the, the country is bananas, I'm gonna suspend the election. Because I feel that we're at war. One is that we had we had a war with a pandemic, and then we're at war with people still running the streets rioting, because now you got no food, no money. I got people, we got we're dealing with disbursement of the um uh, uh 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 uh. What's what's the money they give to everybody? The, money, the stimulus. You got some people getting way more money. No, and I and I don't mean because of your job. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm in the hood. I'm hanging around. I I I, I deal with people. My friends and them as politicians. I be like, so what are you going to do about this? So I'm, I what I mean by in the hood, I'm not in in like a super mansion because I don't want to be. So. When I hear people in the hood that's like nobody, one, one person who, who, who never worked before, maybe worked one or two times, getting a bigger stimulus check than somebody that actually really worked. I'm trying to, how are you dispersing that out and how are you determining that? Crazy. That's, I, that's a problem. And then I don't have the statistics. I don't know if that's been done, been doing in the black neighborhoods as, Due to the black uh, community as well if it's doing the same thing to the white community. I don't know that because I haven't did the same. But I know when I hear in the black community, little, <laughs> little, little Tony over there, he got a big ass stimulus. Like, well, like, dude, you ain't never worked. How do you get that kind of money? And then a homegirls over there's like, yo, they only gave me $50 for the month. Like, you know, seriously, that's a real, a real number, $50 for the month. You know you're not buying nothing for, what are you going to buy for $50? To live on a month. For food, mm. so when you have those going on, and nobody is while we're fighting for George Floyd, nobody is looking at that aspect that we gotta fight for. We we have it, and then we're in a, We're still in a pandemic. So, how long can the government keep giving us money? Yeah. Oh, people say, well, print up more money. Well, then you then you lower the value of American money across the planet. So, you you just can't. So when you start looking at that, and I look at that, Lance, I'm like, like, wow. Those are the those are the backdoor things that nobody is is seeing. And then when I see Nancy Pelosi and them wear African garb around their neck and not understanding what that's about, that's another slap in the face. And I love my Demo- my, my Democratic views and people. But when you're white and you do that, you you did somebody tell you to do that? Or did you actually go speak with somebody from Africa to tell you what that really means when you wore those colorful with those colorful shrouds uh, shroud uh almost like scarves around your neck as you tell my solidarity? And if you do that, that's an African thing. And most Americans are not born in Africa. So I got the African community sitting like, what the fuck is she doing? You don't know what that means. It's it's. Now you just disrespecting my African my African family. Yeah. So this is the government doing this. So I'm like, not government, people in Congress. She runs Congress. Did she actually ask that African what that mean, Or was it somebody on the team like, you should do this because I read this in a book and it says that. Or oh, I, I Googled this. Who even know that was right in Google? Because I got miss misinformation about me and google so (laughs) so much
1: there's such an issue with google man it's crazy
0: it's like but but that's the people go to so i'm saying did you talk to somebody before y'all did that yeah because i saw an african woman on on instagram going off on how disrespectful that was Mm. so I know it's a lot
1: of things I can no. throw at keep thinking. No, about. No, man, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm processing it, man. It's uh, <laughs> like, it's just, there's just so much. It's, there's so much work. It's so much.
0: Done. So much work. It's so much. That's why I DJ on weekends. <laughs> like, That's like why it's coaching. good to
1: have the conversation, right? Yes. Like, you know, I'm in Canada. I'm in Vancouver, Canada. So things are different, but obviously like the awareness has to be there. Yes. Right. I, I, I love just hearing this from you because you know, hearing that, you, you know, you grew up at one of the hardest times during all this stuff. Like, you know, you for myself, I only see the 70s and 80s. I mean, I'm 36, so I grew up, I was born in 83, you know, but I see movies and what it was like there in the 70s and early 80s, man. Like mm-hmm. stuff like American Gangster, you know, that's what I did yeah. on. And I can't imagine what growing up in that environment would be. And the fact that you were able to, you know, still, you know create you know with your craft and be able to do what you've been able to do is amazing man
0: you know that's here's the thing that one of the things that's kind of weird that, that i don't say it's weird when you're living in it you're not paying attention you know when i realized yeah. how i was as i got older and i'm watching the old things from youtube from my era i was like wow it was and i'm looking at it like wow it was crazy but when you're in the middle of it you see things, but it's you do It's life,
1: right? Like It's
0: just life. You just, yeah. it happens. You live with it. People used to say like, you know, school shootings, when that goes on, why black people don't get excited about it or just don't get up around? Because we kind of like grow up with that. Not in a mass way of you know, somebody walking, oh, depending upon where you are, depending <laughs> upon where you are, but we grow up with. Everybody has a gun because everybody's a gangster. You're not gonna take mine. and then, you know, do I carry a gun or don't I? Because one of the one of the rules of the hood, if you're gonna pull a gun on somebody, you better use it. That's what we're. That's how we live. Wow. Like, you know, you we, you better use because here's the thing. He's gonna come back and use it on you, because now you now you made him threaten or afraid of you that you're gonna take his life. That's why I don't carry. Him. I would never carry one. I won't, well, I can't get a license, but I won't even get a license for one. It's just, you want to get me, it is what
1: it is. There's one question I want to ask you about that. And I didn't know if I'd be able to ask how that would flow, but what was it like during, you know, you being from, I grew up in that East versus West, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, with Tupac and, and, you know, when I was young, NWA and you know, as, as we got older, you know, Snoop and, and all that. And, you know, being from the West, you hear this one thing and from the East, what was that actually like? Was that as real as we saw or we heard in the, in the music or like walk us through that a little bit? And what was your relationship with like NWA at that time? So
0: it's, it's weird because, you know, Ice-T, was the, one of the first one that used to come back and forth because yeah. he used to rock with the Zulu Nation. Yeah. You know, Ice T was um, um, Blood affiliate at the same time. But Ice T, when we was on tour with him, he had a he had a nightclub where he had Bloods and Crips working together. So, as as a person like me, the East West thing, I, I, you know, because we did Ice Cube's album, yeah, and 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 that was the second, I think that was the first biggest but the second collaboration. Ice-T used to work with the Zulu Nation. So that was collaborating him and Africa Islam. That was, that was a collaboration there. But I think when we got the Ice Cube, when we did his album, that was like a monumental thing. And, and I, don't, I don't, like, I, I, the East-West issue didn't affect me. Mm-hmm. Because to them, when, I, when me and the crew, we come to the West Coast, we was treated differently than the, than the Pac and Biggie era. Yeah. You know, and then at that time we kind of became OGs. So yeah. I can freely hang with both sides knowing that I'm neutral and they know that I'm neutral and just have conversations. Mm. Like I wasn't getting into the yo man, you that I, that's not my life. That's not my world. And, 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 we i refuse to do that because i know guys i know crips and bloods i mean i know they got their issues but i know both of them so i i and they know okay yo yo if i'm like the og yo son you you guys y'all did your thing y'all was always for the people and you always did us right you know we never had a confrontation never had no issues you know, I had when I was used to my earliest days, I used to go out there. I had to learn the difference in colors and sections because mm-hmm. from New York. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, we don't we don't we we wasn't into over colors. You know, we everybody was a stick kid, slick kid. And like it was a stick kid. Oh, you ain't from this block. So you get it. <laughs> so that's that was the thing. So that whole thing, I never experienced it like the way. You know the way other people buy, like the Tupac and Big Air. I never experienced. I never went out there, and I used to go out there a lot by myself. Like, cause I had friends. I like, you know, you know, I've, i you know, hung out in Long Beach and and, and went through Compton and, and been, but, I got common sense. <laughs> like, if I'm going through Compton, I'm going through my crew of my my homies that I know from out there that got it on. That 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 nothing won't happen. I like I'm not, I'm not stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't go up there like, Yo, no, no, I never did that. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, I give everybody equal love and, and go on about my day. And even till this day when I go out there, I I try to make it my point to hang out with my guys that I know from out there for because it's that thing. But that stuff that Pac and Big and Puff and all is was doing, I was like, I'm staying away from that because <laughs> I know, I know, I know what that would would lead to. You know, I'm I I just know, man. You know, when I used to go out there, me and Chuck used to go out there. We used to speak at some of the some of the um, some of the schools. That was and 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 this not. I'm not going to even get into East Coast West Coast. You know, what was really hot? hot, hard, black and brown. The blacks, the Mexicans, or the essays against the blacks. Mm. That, that, was, that was that. I was making sure, like, don't don't stay too long in East L.A. You know, that was hot spot. You know, and then I worked on Exhibit's album where the tensions got even higher. So it wasn't about an East and West thing. It was about, you know, the black, we call it the black and the brown. So I had, we did a song called the black and the brown about how everybody need to make it one. You know, I got stories with Exhibit in that situation, it was like, yo, it, I ain't going to get into that. <laughs> it's, <right. laughs> like, it's like, but that was the, you know, that's the other side to that. Yeah. You, you know, you dealt with the Crips and the Bloods and then you dealt with the, with the, with the, with the Mexican community. Yeah. You know, so that's like, and I'm trying, i me, I'm, I know both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, I'm not strategy, strategy, you know, I'm not trying to, to say, I'm, I'm just, I'm a, Y'all need my advice. I'm here. Y'all need to speak. I'm here. But I'm not I'm not here to start shit. But y'all need to talk. To keep we need to we need to come do and talk because you the one that that talked about what how's going on. Okay, I'll do that. You know, um, but I, that's what I me, mean, is at a point where everybody should I think I'm at a point where everybody should live in harmony. Yeah. Seriously. It's like
1: Unity, man. You know
0: and that's why i said i'm i'm for the young ones because they're the ones that's got to worry about whether the polar caps going to melt by the time they get 30. Mm -hmm. you know by the time they the young ones by the time they get 30 i'm i'm 58 i'll probably be (laughs) i'll probably be in a nursing home or something (laughs) like that (laughs) i'll be nursing home so (laughs) it's it's that kind of thing man so I I I Yeah, I, if I just, we if we all
1: make it through 2020, we don't know what's gonna happen yes, in an asteroid. That's thing. You know what <laughs> saying?
0: We're only we halfway make, through, we gotta, man. We gotta make it through 20, we gotta make it through 2020. And that's uh that's a hard thing, man, right now. <laughs> it's hard, man. It's like we got five months in, in the states, we got five months for an election. We gotta get through that. Yeah. And and nobody's since the rallies, nobody has been social distancing i I went to one out here, and then I was like, I, but I gotta stay away as much as possible because i I'm afraid like I'm not afraid, but I'm afraid to catch that with my precondition now, I'm just mm-hmm. because it's just so new to me, yeah, you know it is what it is
1: yeah man what are you uh what are you working on right now, and where can everybody check you out keep um your-
0: uh, man I'm on instagram um I'm working with a, I'm, I'm on instagram I'm working with a nice young artist um named aramis um it's, it's a friend of mine that I used to work with friends i't I don't, I don't usually to work with friends' kids <laughs> because that becomes comes like Aah! i got let the I gotta let them be an artist, and sometimes the parents are like <laughs> so but um, it's that, and um I'm just sitting here um building stuff on you know building stuff online do a do a DJ thing and then it's crazy now. It's because as entertainers there's no more there's no more shows. We can't hang out nowhere. We can't DJ anywhere. We can't perform nowhere. It's figuring out what's your next move. Mm. Is what's your next move? Shoot during this pandemic I'm starting to become a speaker again. <laughs> I, might, I might just do that, you know. But that's where I'm at, just trying to figure out where's the next move, where is um where, how, what do we do? Mm-hmm. I'm not a first responder. I'm not a. I'm not. A, I mean, I'm not a licensed educator like you know, my sister and a couple of my friends are doing stuff like that. Where I'm in the entertainment world, we can't even make movies. <laughs> we can't even make movies. You know, movies. The the future of movie making will be green screen. I'm just what well, I'm doing it now. I'm learning it now. <laughs> like we learn how to green screen. So, but it's it's. It's, it's hard, man. It's just staying safe and just trying to stay positive and trying to, as as, as musicians, man, trying to, musicians and producers and entertainers and trying to figure out where is that next, that, that next thing. You line up a bunch of stuff that you can do where you can figure out and how to generate dollars. And at the same time, like I said, you know, my royalties, on one hand, yes, I want my licensing and all of that. But I'm in the future now. It's like you are stopping people as DJs, this is the DJ section, you're stopping people from just playing music online so they can have a good time and you're sending them notices and and lawsuits and like first of all, I I, mean I know half of the labels don't even own half the stuff that they telling people to stop playing. Mm. Because they can't figure it out. Who owns it? Yeah. One one is Prince. (laughs) It's like you don't really own Prince stuff. We know we, we know what he did with y'all. We know he brought back all the rights to his stuff. And if you did buy the rights, he, you, you bought it from the family, he cut a deal with some of the newer artists. I can get it back. With some of the newer artists that they they made records for him, and he said, t- you can do what you want with the record, I'm going to do what I want with the record. So you have that. And I think the whole thing is like, how do, what's the next? What's the, what's your next situation to generating? And most of it's going to be coming online, like what we're doing now. Yeah. It's like most of it's online. You know? How do we do that? You know, how do we, how do we do something online that can generate, you know, some income for people or just whatever happens, mm. you know, cause social distancing is going to be here for at least a year. Yeah. Cause I know my friends in the medical field, cause I be hitting them up. Did y'all save us yet? Did y'all save us yet? Man, we ain't finding a cure for that for about a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> so it's, it's that man, it's that.
1: Wow. Well. Well, I always wrap it up with one last question. I ask everybody and all the, all the things you've been through in your life, all the adversity, all the challenges, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you?
0: It taught me to always find a new way and to stay persistent. You know, because, yeah, I get my days where I just want to lay in my bed, put my cover on my head the depression sets in and, and I don't want to do nothing. But then somebody does something or you hear something that sparks you when you think this, when you think it's hopeless. But if you have uh, that energy to fight the adversity, then you have to, you have to fight it. And then the other part is like talking to people like you and stuff like that and talking to people and, and getting out of your own way. And most of it is just getting out of your own way. And understanding your position and who you are in the world, mm. you know? Everybody's fighting with depression now. Cause well, this, is, this is like, this is, this is
1: crazy. Yeah. That's why we need <laughs> uh, music like yourself, man. Putting out that music. Yeah, well, the, the, the music, love, right? that, the DJing, <laughs> the music,
0: that, that. But then you get frustrated with that. It's like, you gotta, yeah. you know, even with my artists, I gotta be like, yeah, it, the, the whole, Adjusting to the distancing mm-hmm. is is difficult. Yeah, man, it's difficult. You know, it's like you want to like, yo, that was dope. Yeah, you want to give give yeah. somebody a hug. You like, hey, you gotta hold up. You know, yeah, because we're
1: humans. We like human yeah. it, it, like interaction. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Man. Yes, yes. And,
0: a- and, and and that's what my next thing with was how it's gonna happen. How's people interactions are going to change? raising a young kid up that way they'll get used they'll know that but when you had this for so long you know yeah. parties ain't the same you know um what i mean by parties just even family gathering ain't the same mm-hmm. you know it's all about the immediacy you know yeah so hey it, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a challenge it it's is a big challenge
1: man i i really appreciate you coming on and and dropping so much value, man. I love just, just having a conversation, you know, yes. about, yes. about everything. And, you know, I think that's, that's where it all starts, you know, the awareness and mm-hmm. hearing that of your story and just, you know, I could kind of I was trying to put myself in that position, you know, and it's, it's, it's really interesting. Cause I know a lot of listeners hearing Directly, your perspective will get a lot out of that, man. So, thank you mm-hmm. very much. Really oh,
0: man, thanks for having me. I'm always, like I said, I'm always willing to give my perspective. And, yeah. like I said, like you said, it's my perspective, and I have my ideas about how things should go. But, you know, hearing my story, you know, like I said, growing up in the suburbs and dealing with both sides of the world, you know, you're dealing with white, black, the, the criminal act side that the, the non-criminal act you shouldn't do that but you shouldn't do it. so I, I, I toss with a lot of things and I'm real about my life I don't I don't yeah. I don't care like because you know even getting clean I used to work hospitals and those are the real sickness sufferings coming in there and then I used to chair meetings I used to speak at you know at conventions and stuff like that because those things helped me get through a lot of stuff. So I am not one to hold my punch. My people are like, why are you talking about your life? Because my story might help one person. And if it helps yeah. one person, I did it. I did a great job. Yeah. Did a great job. If it's just one, I'm not trying to change a million people, but if it works one I'm good.
1: Yeah. You know. I, hear, I hear you. And then if one, you know, you, somebody reaches out and says, Hey, that really impacted me. That's the best feeling. Yeah. It's the best mm-hmm. feeling. You know, I get that too. Somebody be like, Thank you so much for talking about that and, mm-hmm. you, know, you don't realize it sometimes the people you, you don't meet. realize
0: it and in the verse like when i when i had my heart attack i did a piece from my you know i talked about it from my bed and, and you didn't know you'd be surprised because i i kind of work out man i'm like i'm not in bad shit i ride my bike i'm like mm-hmm. and but well, what i learned from that is just how we grew up and lived. but you know i share those stories man like what it was like man because you'd be surprised when people look at me, I'm slim, you know, I'm in shape, you know, I'm not in the best shape. I, I don't eat red meat. You know, I, I, you know, I do a lot of, vest I juice. And then like dentist days I go on my crap, my crappy, my crappy food, like my crappy food is only, only cakes and, you know, junk food. You know, I don't eat processed food. Um, so, and having a heart attack on, on top of that, the doctors and them looking at me like, yo, what are you doing in here? I don't know. You tell me. My heart bothering me, and I feel like I'm gonna die. <laughs> you know. So, you know, Dan, they, they was making a joke, but it's like, yeah, what am I? I don't know how I got here. I just know I'm here. So, by going through, and then when they put the stents in, they didn't realize it was that bad. Is that like we had to put three in, something like three. Said like we thought he only put one. It's just shit was was fucked up. So, those stories I tell, and I watch a few people around me and a few people that I talked to online. And I have a friend that I DJed at their company's party. When he knew I had that, and he was a little, he slimmed down the next time I saw him, I was like, oh, Nicky, look smaller. small he said. Yo, man, I had to listen to what you said because I was like the last person that people would think would have a heart attack. Yeah. You know, because I'm outgoing, I'm, I'm this, you know, I joke around, I work out, I'm slim, I'm, I'm practically skinny. <laughs> like so, mm-hmm. that happening, everybody that shook up a lot of people in my circle to like to do things. So if that would took some of my friends to change this shit, like me, damn near dying. I'm like, okay, this yeah. is what it is. This is what it is. Okay. So I mean, I'm I'm cool. That I do a lot of work. Um, I I, I do stuff with the American. I should say, do a lot of work. Um, I do certain you know certain things with the American Heart Association. They did an interview with me because I'm you know, one of one the person in the music industry. They don't get those stories mm-hmm. um, from people. When people have a heartache, they just move, you know, move to the side. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, that leads to get back to a, a decent strength, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. And I'm grateful to sit there and talk to you and share this knowledge and stuff like that. And, you know, besides me, besides dealing with black issue and black life and stuff like that, there's a health life that I deal with too. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I'm trying to deal with people that like, yo, this is going to stress you. This is going to put you in the zone where I quit. I can't stand everybody because we've never been in this position before with epidemic riots, looting, people calling out each other, people screaming online. And this is really at its its tipping point. But then there's a lot of good stuff that's happening.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, man. All right. Thank All you right. so much. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Leave us a review if you can. Share this with a friend if you got value. Keith is an unbelievable dude, and I just I learned so much from him. and had such an awesome experience. So check him out. Follow him on social media. See what he's up to. He does some awesome DJ sets on the weekend on his Instagram lives, which is really cool that I've checked out. So hit him up. Let him know that you uh, heard him on University of Adversity. And as always, guys, stay safe. Keep the positive vibes high. Much love.